Good morning, everybody. We welcome you to the uh, this class today on uh, passing on the faith to our children, and um, we're going to be uh, hearing from grandparents today about their uh, strategies and their ways of doing that, and and what they've learned and what we can learn from them. So. Uh, we have a distinguished and astute panel this morning. I'm sure you'll find them very uh, beneficial. So let's pray, and then I want to uh, make a remark or two, and then we'll get started hearing from them. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for the Lord's Day. Thank you for uh, the atonement. Thank you for your death on the cross and for the renewed relationship we have with you through your son Jesus Christ and for what he did for us. We are most grateful today and most thankful and we come today to worship you and express our love, our appreciation, our desire to be obedience to you and we pray that uh, you would instruct our hearts, give us uh, open minds and receptive hearts and uh, teachable spirits we pray. We commit this time to you now in Jesus name, amen. I thought it was interesting uh, for those of you that get uh, World Magazine and uh, that this week uh, Joel Bell's editorial was about your children's children on the the week before we do this uh, class and uh, his concern about grandchildren and his concern about are we doing everything that we need to be doing to reach our grandchildren. And he's uh, trying to put together an initiative to... Uh, unite those of us that are grandparents in a way that would <clears throat> provide some conversation amongst us about how we can do the job better. He calls it passing on the truth, and we've been calling it passing on the faith. But nevertheless, um, I might uh, commend that editorial to you if, uh, if you get that magazine, or if you don't, you might check it out online and see how it strikes you. Well, we have four uh, sets of grandparents here this morning, and <clears throat> the, the plan is for them to take about 10 or 12 minutes, and, the, and they're going to discuss some things about their grandparenting experiences and what they've tried to do and their strategies and uh, their successes and maybe their failures, and hopefully uh, we'll have some time at the end for you to comment back to them or ask them some questions about how they handle some certain situations. So um, I think maybe... Let's, let's start with um, uh, Mike and Jan Aiken uh, today, uh, known as uh, Mimi and Papa. Uh, well, come on up here. For those who, up here? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It's much more comfortable sitting down. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we have three children. Uh, a son, unmarried, living in Tampa, uh, and two daughters, uh, both married to godly men who live on the same street in Marietta. Uh, and so they're real close proximity. Up until two, three or four days ago, they lived uh, between Atlanta and New York, but now they're on the same street in Atlanta. Um, the basis for what we uh, well, the way we approach approach life with our children as well as with our grandchildren is encapsulated in what 
uh, is read to us every time there's an infant baptism uh, here at our church. And it comes from, it's a compilation of Acts 2.39, Genesis 17.7, and Acts 16.31. For to you is the promise, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call unto him. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved, thou and thy house. And that's the basis, really, of everything that we do, the way that we view life with our children and our grandchildren. Uh, and start by just simply saying that something that I have done for many years is to remind uh, uh, young families and older families is the best that you can do for your children and for your grandchildren is to pray for them. Uh, there have been periods of time in our life where it just seemed to me that the, that the, that the faithfulness of my children in the Lord uh, seemed to correspond to how fervent I was praying for them or how lax I was in praying for them because I really do believe that God has, has used our prayers in working in the lives of our children in the good times and in the hard times. Uh, you want to add anything to that point? Well, um, I have said often to young parents in that when you first have children, and uh, it requires all of your physical ability. You uh, fall into bed at night, you hardly know that your head has hit the pillow and then you're awakened. It requires so much of your physical energy. But as your children grow up and mature into adults and all of a sudden they're having children, how terribly important it is to stay upon your knees uh, for these children. It's not that you don't pray for them when they're little, you do. Uh, but your life becomes um, a season of prayer uh, for their well-being as well as for their, uh, their spiritual growth. And this is so terribly important. A lot of times I hear people say, well, all I can do is pray. That's the most important thing that you can do, and it's never to be put second place. And uh, I think when we grasp that, then those of us who have that uh, drive to make things right um, will realize that you can't make things right and only um, through God's grace uh, can you experience anything close to right uh, in this life. Okay, you want to do that part? Um, one of the uh, things that we feel is very important because our grandchildren have never lived close by, I would think I had died and gone to heaven if they were living next door to me or even within driving distance. However, that's never been the case, and so we have made it a priority uh, for going other kinds of trips to make frequent trips to see them. And thankfully, they have done the same. So that um, pretty much we can say that within every two months, we are seeing them, and that's a very good thing. So frequent visits, uh, and when we go, uh, we are delighted to be able to babysit and give uh, their parents time to be away, which then gives us a lot of one-on-one -on -one, uh, time to spend with them. Being ourselves and allowing them to see what it's like to live a life that is Christ-centered 
Now, are we perfect? Of course not. Um, we make lots of mistakes, but we have wonderful times of just uh, interacting with them, uh, reading to them, um, talking about things that they're doing. Um, I like music, so music is a huge, huge part of what I like to do with the children. I bring tapes, I bring CDs, I bring, you know, and we are moving and um, doing all kinds of things, and kids love it. Uh, but you may not be that so inclined, so there are all kinds of other things that you can do, but I think that we take the things that God has gifted us with and use those with our children and grandchildren. Uh, by the way, uh, we have five little granddaughters. Okay, girly uh, girls. Three, three, and yes, they are. All five of them are really girly girls. Uh, I love the Valenti's picture with all those girls standing around the one boy. You know, uh, a delightful picture. Well, I hope maybe I'm on my way to that in grandchildren. Uh, but uh, there's three. There are three belong to Katie and Paul, and two that belong to Sarah and Stephen and maybe others yet to come. Uh, we spend time on the phone with our children and our grandchildren. We Skype with them. We use a little bit of social media with them. And, uh, and Jan in particular, uh, I, I talk to our daughters, but Jan probably talks to them every couple of days. They call her, she calls them. And uh, I... I specialize in spending time with my sons-in-laws to encourage them because both of them uh, uh, make, make uh, good attempts at leading their children in family worship. Both of them work in the corporate world of Atlanta, uh, which is a, it's a dangerous world in which we live, and they need encouragement, and uh, they need a sounding board. Both of them are very teachable, uh, very solid young men in the Lord, uh, and uh, so uh, that's where I apply my effort. But Jan applies her effort as well, dealing closely with uh, uh, Katie and Sarah. Um, being a lifelong educator, um, I go at things from that perspective. Uh, I really, really encourage uh, the catechism. Uh, before each of these children were born, I gave them the children's catechism. We have read it together. Uh, when we're going places, I've taught it for so long that I know most of the questions. So I start out with, who made you? And I love to get the answers as we go through the different questions. And uh, as they're able to read, our grandchildren are ages 11 down to 1. And um, so when they are able to read, then we can read the catechism, uh, the little uh, children's catechism together. Um, we can talk about the different things. We love reading good books. I love to think about the books that were read to me as a child. Not always Christian in their focus, but most of them have good morals to them, and so we can stop and talk about that. We can laugh about the things that Honey Bunch does and why she does it and how that's wrong. And um, so we just have a lot of fun um, uh, interacting with each other. Um, I like to give books to them, especially as they start um, reading, uh, things that I think that they would enjoy that might... Uh, you know, uh, cause them to think and to uh, see things from a godly perspective. Uh, we talk together about their activities. I love to um, do things with them. When 
I come to them or they come to me, I usually have something planned. Uh, again, that's the educator in me. I love to sew, so we've made things together. I let them use Mimi's sewing machine. Uh, this is a good thing. They think that makes them very grown up. Uh, can be dangerous, uh, but you do have to uh, be right there. Um, you know, just think of things that you like to do. If it's gardening, which I could not do, garden. Uh, you know, all of these kinds of things, just things where you have time to talk with them and enjoy. Uh, they're, uh, they're like little sponges. They just soak up everything that you say. And what's really interesting is when it comes back to you six months later or a year later and they're recalling something that you said, and you better be ready to defend it. Um, you know, so those are good things and fun times together. Uh, in closing, uh, really what we do with our children and grandchildren is no different than what we would do if they lived next door. It's just that it's harder to do at a long distance. And for those of you who have your children and grandchildren close by, it's a wonderful blessing that you have to have that input into their lives. Um, I, do re I do remember it's a, it's a delight to spend these times with our granddaughters because, I mean, one time when we a uh, short while back when we kept them for several days while Paul and Katie went off, they expressed to their parents when they came back home how much fun they had with Mimi and Papa, and they really didn't mind doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a delight having those times with them. And also, we're at a point in life where we can pick up and go uh, uh, largely when we need to, and uh, we're going up for Lydia's first birthday, which is July the 5th, uh, and uh, then Jan will stay extra time because Sarah and Stephen just moved into their new home in Atlanta, and so Jan will stay there at Sarah's request uh, to help with the children while they're getting the house situated. So it's nice to be able to do those things, and when you have the opportunity, you ought to take them. Thank you, Michael and Jan. When I asked Michael to do this several weeks ago, he was <clears throat> hesitant because his grandchildren are so far away. And I said, well, that's part of what we'd like to hear from you about how you handle that when they're not next door like some people have. And, and um, well, how do you approach that? So I appreciate that. Thank you all for doing that. Just to go to the other end of the spectrum here, I want to ask Alan Montgomery to come up here. Um, he's uh, part of the Mimi and the Papa uh, clan in his house. Harriet is uh, out of out of state, but uh, Alan went through a situation where he had grandchildren living with him, and so that's a whole other end of the scale for a while. So anyway, I'm going to let him come and tell you some things that are on his mind about the whole thing. Well, Michael and Jan said all that I would have to say. So. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you. Um, having two of our grandchildren, really three of our grandchildren, um, after Maggie came along, was not a burden, never was. Um, it was always a blessing, and it was very sad on my part to see them go. Um, I would have been pleased to have had them uh, living with us until they were uh, adults. Uh, let, 
may I share a few passages of Scripture with you? Uh, one is Psalm 78, uh, the first eight verses. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that have that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. And then Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, and then uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11. So Deuteronomy 6, um, verses 5 through 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And finally, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, verse, beginning in verse 18. You shall therefore, this is almost a repeat of chapter 6. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, and holding fast to them, then the Lord will drive out all of these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourselves. Our, uh, our primary goal for our, ch- uh, for our grandchildren is that um, it's important for us to have a relationship with them, but it's more important to us for them to know Christ and for them to know Him through the Reformed faith. And I don't want my grandchildren to be Methodists, and I don't want them to be Episcopalian. I want them to be Reformed Presbyterians. And we pray to that end, and we try to influence them 
to that end. Not just Nathan and, and Jacqueline uh, and Maggie who have lived with us, but our other grandchildren as well. And I don't know if I'm the only one up here or not, but we, we are also uh, great-grandparents. Uh, we have two great-grandchildren, and we want to influence them the same way. Let me hasten along um, and say this to you, that if you really want your children to walk with Christ and to walk in, in your footsteps then you have to own the Reformed faith. You've got to love it. It's got to be the most important thing in this world. The most important system of religion to you has to be the Reformed faith and preferably the uh, Presbyterian Reformed faith. Um, Let me give you some steps that we were able to take specifically with Nathan and Jacqueline and with other grandchildren when they were in our house uh, visiting with us, or if we were away on a family vacation. And that's really one of the points. Every year we try to have a family vacation. Now, family vacation, unfortunately, is always at the expense of the grandfather. <laughs> and I'm the grandfather. You know, I can't go any higher. Uh, but we try to have a family vacation where all, the, all of our, our family can get together. Our three children... Um, one of, of whom comes all the way from the other side of the world uh, each summer, and, um, and, our, our grand, and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, uh, so that we're all together uh, at one time, and we do that once a year. And we always try to have family worship, and we would seek to have family worship consistently when, when anyone is in our, when our children our great grandchildren, our children, our grandchildren were in our home, um, and uh, and it's. I'm sure you've already had a class on family worship. It's not a long thing, but you just need to do it and do it consistently with your grandchildren. One of the things that I've done with my grandchildren, in addition, in in, in addition to teaching them the um, the catechisms and starting with that children's catechism which I dearly love and have even used it in the theological examination for uh, one coming before uh, us for uh, ordination ask them some questions from that child's catechism see if they can answer those questions but I have given all of my grandchildren a copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith I've given it to my children then I give it to my grandchildren and it's not, I just don't give it to them, but we talk about it as time goes on. We make use of it. Um, and as Jan pointed out, reading, you do a lot of reading with, uh, with your grandchildren. Um, oh, but let me, let me back up a little bit and say this, though. If you want to have an influence on your grandchildren, you need to have a good relationship with your children. So it really starts with children, and then you go down to the grandchildren. Uh, we do a lot of reading with our grandchildren. Uh, we take them to art galleries and to museums and to zoos, and if we can, to other cities, uh, and, and have them in, involved in a lot of different things. It's important, it was important for us that our grandchildren be in worship regularly and so we try 
not to miss but maybe one day out of the year that we are away from worship at Covenant. That's what we try. We don't always meet that goal, but we try to plan our vacations where we can leave Sunday afternoon and come back the following Saturday so that we're worshiping here. We started having our grandchildren take notes in worship as, just as early as they could. With Jacqueline, it was writing down key words that she would hear in a sermon. With Nathan, it was drawing pictures of what the minister was preaching. And then we would discuss those afterwards. And they have, they, they've really picked up the pace and consistently take notes. They, fortunately, they have got to the point that they are able to recognize expository preaching. And if they go to another church or, or some assembly elsewhere and the preaching is not expository, they let us know whenever we meet with them and talk with them again because they recognize expository preaching. And that's, uh, that's very important. And we always tried to make it a practice, too, of discussing the sermons. After they would hear a sermon, we'd go home at lunchtime and over the, uh, the uh, Sunday dinner, uh, even if it was nothing more than um, peanut butter and jelly, you know, discuss the sermon. Um, let's see. Yes, uh, private school. Uh, that's not, we understand that private education is not for everyone, but we have tried to have our, our grandchildren in a uh, private school. And for Nathan and Jacqueline, it has been Geneva. And part of that cost, of course, ends up having to be paid for by the grandfather. Um, let's see. Oh, another thing that, has, that we've tried to do to influence them, too, is to have missionaries and theologians come into our home, usually... Uh, uh, well, during a missions conference and, and oftentimes on Sunday evenings after an evening worship, they'll come in. We might have a dinner or just some soup, and then we sit in the library and we talk. Uh, usually we talk theology, and they are usually, they meaning Nathan and Jacqueline, would usually be a part of that. And um, that's all i got to say for now. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. I thought you'd be able to come up with a few words. <laughs> Second Timothy 1, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan the flame, the, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Well, we'll shift gears back to a couple, two couples that have grandmothers on the scene. I'm going to ask uh, uh, the Nettervilles to come up here. This is Pops and uh, Grandma Ned. So... Y'all come on up and tell us. Can you tell her nothing that was going on? 
<laughs> I think we're probably the only part of the panel that has the opportunity to have kids and grandkids in the audience today. So, that so may, y'all leave. That may temper what I say a little bit. <laughs> and to paraphrase Jan Aiken, I think I've died and gone to heaven because all of our grandkids have grown up in Lakeland, and we're very blessed because of that, yeah. believe me. When Steve first asked me to do this, I thought it was going to be easy. Then I got to thinking about it a little more, and I thought, well, maybe it's going to be hard. There's not one answer to this, to being a grandparent. There's a lot of many different ways to do it. There are a lot of variables, personalities, relationships, uh, distance, ages, just a lot of things that enter into it. And we've tried all different ways. We have had our grandkids here. We have had our grandkids living with us. And we have had grandkids living at a distance. So we've we've seen all aspects of it, and we like the one we're in best, where most of them are here. I've also found out it's easy to become a grandparent. <laughs> uh, I don't think this is scriptural, but I think a wise man once said that grandkids are the reward for not strangling your teenagers. <laughs> we have that plaque. <laughs> And basically, you just have to show up at the hospital once or twice and and be there for the first one or two, and then after that, I think it's optional. (laughs) But but you're always a grandparent. What we have tried to do is develop a relationship with our grandchildren. And if they're into soccer, we're into soccer. If they're into ballet, we're close. But we're, but, show, show but, routine. but we're there. <laughs> if they're musical, we're at recitals, we're at concerts, we're, we're wherever they are so we can have a relationship with them. Uh, if they're academic, we sometimes show up at assemblies where they're honored, and that's, that's always fun to be the grandparent of a smart student, and, and they are smart. But what I found most of all is that the grandkids will probably listen to you most of the time, but they're always watching you. They're watching everything you do and how you do it, so you're an example to them. And and they understand the difference between what you say and what you do, even if you don't. So you you just have to be an, a good example for them. You're going to be an example, whether it's a good one or a bad one, you're going to be an example. <laughs> So we try to live our lives in in front of God and in front of our children and grandchildren in such a way that would be pleasing to God. We we encourage them to be at church, and most of them sit in the front row with us, so that's easy. And our our children have a lot to do with that. It's not just the grandparents. It's the children, our children as well. And I think I'd like to close my part of it with saying that we have the responsibility before God to be the best parent and grandparent that we can be, but the outcome is in his hands, not ours. Me? You. Well, I have no idea what anything was said. So if I'm repetitive, I'm sorry, and if I don't make sense, it's because I can't hear what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, It is hard sitting here having seen Drew there and these four here, but the blessing for me is... 
having four kids that have married four people who have brought children to a spiritual level that a lot of people don't see. They're very gifted in the Lord. They know what they're talking about. They have family worship. They love their children, and they are as involved with their children as we are. We know. We're there. But that is the biggest blessing for me as a mom and a grandma. What Dave said about living your life in Christ, they know that we love the Lord. We say it out loud, and we embarrass them with it sometimes. We get in a line at Disney. I start talking to this next person right next to me, and they go, oh, no. (laughs) Pretty soon we get to talking about church, so on and so forth. They see us in action in the Lord. They see him working in and through us to bring about his will for our good and his glory, hopefully. My part of being a grandparent is fun. I have 15 boxes at home waiting to make a tunnel for a four-year-old and a six-year-old. I'd love to go to Disney. I have a four-year-old that told me the other day, Grandma, let's take a road that we've not been on before. We go places like, we see the goats on Drainfield Road. We, all that kind of stuff is so important because it makes memories. So many memories. To me, that is the best part and my job, to make memories that they will remember, not only in the Lord, but they will remember in the body of Christ. And I have the privilege of calling a lot of people a grandson or a granddaughter, because when you take that vow, they are yours. And to conclude my part of it, they don't belong to me. They belong to the Lord. They don't belong to them or them. They belong to the Lord. And we're here to train them up in the way they should go so when they're older, they don't depart from it. I think the biggest blessing for me is seeing them part of a church that will do that for them. Help train them up in the way they'll go. And I thank you all for that. I have seen many generations. I mean, when we had our first grandchild, Jess was nine. Nine. So I had this little kid running around, and I didn't know where to be or how to do. So I just played, and I'm a player. And I love playing, and if you go on Facebook, you'll see everything that I do with them. But please remember... The biggest blessing that you can ever have with your grandchild, and I had this with one, is to see him come to Christ. Anna Kretschko was sitting in my Sunday school class, and it was the last year that I taught, and I presented the gospel, and she came up afterwards and told me that she accepted Christ as her Savior. I saw it in her face. I saw it in her movements. I saw it in her her whole life at that moment. There's nothing more that's a blessing. Now, I don't know the rules, and usually I break them. (laughs) The hardest part of a grandparent with all these grandkids is following the rules of families that aren't different in, in a lot of ways, 
but their personalities are different. Their family makeup is different. And so when they come over to the house, if we're babysitting, I have to think of how those parents would raise their child. Some are a little bit stricter than others. Some are a little bit leaner. Some let them watch some things. Some don't. And all that's fine. And we have to stay within those parameters. Don't try to make your grandchild your child. That is the biggest mistake a grandparent can make. Make them your friend. <laughs> That's it? That's it? Okay. <laughs> and I won't hear anything else either. <laughs> Jim and Larry Schaffner are granddaddy and grandmother. Pretty straightforward here. And, uh, Jim and uh, Laurie are, probably have the senior hat for this uh, panel here today, and um, they've had a lot of experiences over the years, and a lot of things happen, so they come to us with a lot of uh, uh, things that they've learned, so you all come on up here and tell us. Now, Jim has got a uh, handout. Did you leave that back there? Yeah, I think they're all gone. Okay. Jim had a handout, so if you're fortunate to get one, you going to come up here with him, Laurie? She's going to wait. When you're this old, you can't stand up that long. Oh. <laughs> the thing about being last, there's nothing left to say. So, thanks. Uh, in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, George Clooney says, I am the Potter Familius. <laughs> if you want to know more, ask Alan. He knows about that movie. We are the Potter Familias, Potter's Familias. <laughs> Ephesians 6.12, for the most part, says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And 1 Peter 5.8 ends up, Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If you've seen the movie Bridge Over the River Kwai, it's about the building and destruction of a bridge. In a lot of war movies, the bridge is focus, a focal point, because that's how the enemy or you move back and forth in territory. To me, this class is the bridge to the next generation. So, what does our enemy want to do? He wants to just stop this class or interrupt this class. And I think he's done a pretty good job during the weeks based on things that have come up in our lives out of the blue that were fermenting for years, but why now? So for our grandchildren, we're the bridge. And Satan is working, has been working, and will work to destroy this passing down the faith. And he has a lifetime, their lifetimes, to do it, to finish his work. 
So as grandparents, our primary role, as has been said, is prayer. Specific prayer. In the book, which was mentioned last week, uh, Screwtape Letters, Screwtape in that book says to his pupil, so-and-so whom you're dealing with, teach him to pray spiritual prayers, but don't be specific. The man in particular was praying for his mother. He said, don't let him pray for her arthritis. So I gave out this paper. Um, It's prayers for all age groups, which might help you in how you would pray for toddlers, five-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 18-year-olds, whatever. Our grandchildren go from 17 to 30, two great-grandchildren, three and five. So keep up with what they're doing so you can pray specifically. That would go for your children, young children, grandchildren. Uh, Ask them, you know, what specifically would you have me to pray about for you? And they may, the ones who are particularly not following the faith may say, but if you persist, they will tell you. They will tell you eventually, okay, this, pray for this, for me. And Steve said, mention something that possibly we didn't do that we're looking back, we would do differently. Well, pray specifically for my grandchildren. <laughs> It's never too late to start, and we've started praying specifically and asking them, what would you like me to pray about for you? And they'll tell you. The good news is, um, speak loud enough where they can hear you back there. All right. The good news is, grandparents have a wide panoramic view of life from which to pray from. I have three generations ahead of me to pray for, and have knowledge of three behind me, and maybe even to the fourth one, as to the way they raised children, and the way they passed on their faith even. And we have evidences of those uh, in writings of particular kinds that, that tell us that. Plus, I listened to my mother and her sister talk, you know, forever about <laughs> the relatives. And we would even visit them when we would go back up to the Columbus, Georgia, and Phoenix City, Alabama area, right in there where all of them lived. Um, Corey Ten Boone said, you know, the what, what goes on in your life in the past is the key to the future. And so you hold on to those things. You don't forget those things. You keep them in your heart and in your mind so that, so that you can <coughs> learn from them and know what to do with those things. Uh, concerning the future as you look at your 
your, your grandchildren, you can see characteristics in them that might even be like uh, somebody in the past that, uh, that, they're, uh, that, that they need prayer about. You don't want them to be like aunt so-and-so who nobody could get along with. And you may have a grandchildren like one of mine that's a total package of two uncles of mine. And had I known that, I would have been praying more fervently for them <laughs> and more specifically, as we have said. Uh, knowing them well and being able to communicate with them is key to passing on the faith. Closeness to them matters geographically. As we've mentioned, same church is really good. Same town is okay, good. Uh, not too far away is okay because they can come visit, you know, if it's like uh, from here to West Palm Beach where we've had ours, we would meet in Yeehaw Junction, was that it? <laughs> you know, and, and take the children and, and bring them to stay with us for a while. But when they're far away, it's not, not real easy. By the time you get to know them well, you know, it's time for them to leave or it's time for you to leave them. And so you have to kind of, you know, get to know them all over again whenever you see them. Uh, particular ways that, that I have found, just in my own uh, um, way of doing things and, and with Jim too, in a way, is to, of course, use family holidays and family gatherings to, um, to pass on the faith, the reason for the season and, and all that, that goes with that. Um, another way is when my grandchildren were here, uh, when they were younger, I liked to work in a Sunday school class with them so that I would know what they were learning, what I could talk to them about, what the prayers were about of the children, you know, and they would always have uh, a prayer request. And uh, just, just to get to know the, the friends that were in their class, as some of you are here today, and even being a substitute teacher in there or a regular teacher in some way. But just being in a Sunday school class with them, that's a really good way to um, get to know them better. Uh, when visiting us, we always brought them to Sunday school here, the ones that, that lived far further away. We always brought them to Sunday school and church, uh, even if it meant I went to Sunday school with them. And one the grandson said, uh, well, I don't know anybody in Sunday school there. I said, well, don't worry, you know, you just go in there and go. I'll be right outside the door when you get out, and, and so everything will be fine. So I went there to the door to, to meet him. He comes out, and he's throwing uh, paper wads at this girl, and she's throwing paper wads at him. And finally I grabbed him, and I said, well, you sure get to know people easily. <laughs> so anyway, we went with, with Jamie to... Um, Virginia to have proton radiation two summers ago. Spent that whole seven weeks with her. We went to church, went to a class like this, Sunday school, and uh, we would talk afterwards about what we learned and so forth. And to us, that was a, a wonderful thing to be there with her. That that length of time to have her to ourselves. And uh, even though the reason we were there was not a really good reason, but we really did enjoy it. It was a, a great little church there. One thing that I've done is when the ones in West Palm Beach moved to North Carolina and it was much harder to see them, I began writing them letters. And so I would 
Um, not not a lot, you know. It takes a lot to write a letter. Sometimes you have to gather your information and what you want to tell them, and and then you sit down and write it. And I'd write it in hand on notebook paper so that I could write straight. And uh, they were familiar with notebook paper. And I had a format from which I wrote. First was remember when, you know, when we did this, that, and the other. Remember this. Uh, and then I would tell them all about their cousins and what they were doing because they always had a good time with their cousins when they were here. And then a little bit about what we were doing. And then I, I would uh, mention a special thing about them in particular that I appreciated and uh, tried to encourage them in something I knew they were doing. And then that would work into some spiritually significant thing, you know, that I wanted to tell them. And then I would end with a, a verse or two um, um, reminder that they that we were praying for them in special ways and uh, sign my name and then I would say save this letter for future reference and um, I asked their mother one time if they saved those letters and she said well I saved them because <laughs> I don't know what would have happened to them if they were saving them it's all about communication making a bridge in whatever you do with them uh, whatever you do, whether it's of a spiritual significance, uh, you're still making the bridge, you're building the bridge that you're going to use to, um, to affect their lives spiritually. Um, uh, we used to have, I used to have to take my two step-granddaughters, if any of you remember those, home from school, off and on every day, or to orthodontics or whatever, and I used that time to talk to them. Talk, 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 you know, ask them about school. Get all this information out of them because they were my captive audience. And a lot of times I'd take a, a longer way home. They'd say, well, this, is, this isn't the way home, Grandmother. I said, well, there are many ways to home. <laughs> so, and then, and then uh, getting close to Jamie, she was hard. And uh, she didn't really like me very well when she was younger. <laughs> but... I learned how to play Barbies with her and um, speak to her through, through what we were doing. Anyway, great-grandchildren. We have two of those. Uh, not much input there. You just say, mm-hmm, you're cute. <laughs> they have grandparents, you see. Our children are their grandparents. <laughs> so, so we're off the hook. <laughs> but... Uh, of course, we do pray for them, pray for the children, our children who are their grandparents, pray for their parents who are our grandchildren, of all things. That's hard to believe. They are both in, in difficult situations, so um, they're all in need of prayer. It's our privilege, and it's our calling. And it's our privilege to be here today with all of you and uh, be involved with the children and grandchildren that are here growing up and that are children of the children that I've helped raise here at Covenant and kept in the nursery. So uh, thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you. Well, if nothing else, I hope this gives us a little better picture of this whole Covenant concept about how we're all in this together and we all take these vows and we're all committed to 
seeing these children and grandchildren and mature in the faith and, and grow and and know know Christ and develop in Him. Does anybody have any comments they'd like to make to the panel or any questions that they? How do y'all handle the the discipline question? Probably not too much spanking going on here, but how do y'all deal with that? Uh, if if somebody uh, is defiant uh, towards you, anybody want to tackle that one? Michael, you're fidgeting. Obviously. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because we, because Nathan and Jacqueline lived with us, and they did, and they did not have a father with them. It was incumbent upon me early on at least, to be a father for them. And that meant discipline. And it's, it's always a difficult thing to punish your children using the strap, and certainly your grandchildren. It didn't take very many times, but always you call them, you point them to their baptism. I always did that. You're a covenant child because they were baptized. So you're a covenant child. And, and your behavior needs to reflect what you are in Christ as a covenant child. And so it, it didn't take very many times for me to discipline them. It took more times for Cammy to because <laughs> they got older. And, and my responsibilities in that regard became less. But they were not difficult children. Want to add to that? Well, one of our granddaughters is particularly uh, sensitive. She understands the chain of authority. And, uh, you know, if I say something to her, boy, she just, it almost devastates her, you know. Uh, But I guess, uh, you know, I keep in mind what, uh, what was said about them not being our children. We need to know. Uh, the rules of the families. I mean, Linda said that, I believe. And uh, so we kept, we try to keep that in mind. And both of our children uh, have a have a good system of discipline within their homes. Uh, but one of the things I guess I remember is that when, when I was growing up and we lived near one of my sets of grandparents, And I spent a lot of time with them and with my father's sister, who was older than him. In fact, she was enough older when he was born at home out in the country. uh, uh, His mother handed him to his sister and said, here's your baby. (laughs) So she raised him. And so we were in a situation where uh, I was a teenager and I talked back to my daddy. And my aunt chastised me don't you talk back to your day and I I think maybe the supportive role that we have as grandparents in supporting our children and the discipline of their children can have even a greater impact got a couple minutes anybody want to say anything or ask them anything we got uh Almost 500 years of experience up here. <laughs> Thanks to the Schaffners. <laughs> Mary. Well, um, when I stayed with uh, Sarah's children while 
Sam was in the hospital. And that was a very difficult time for the two little girls, maybe four and a half and three. And so they were having some just difficult times and maybe tantrums or whatever. And, and um, I think the thing that was most helpful was to be able to say to Sarah and James, because they would be gone for a day or two at a time, is I would just say, okay, how do you want me to handle this? And um, so that they could tell me, I didn't just observe it, but I wanted them to articulate to me, we would prefer you do time out or, um, you know, separate them or, or would you mind staying in their room for a while? I let them tell me, and then if I felt as if that was not helpful, like when one of them had a tantrum in public and I only had two hands and I needed four, you know, um, one of her friends came alongside and said, why don't I take Abby and, you know, you help with Gracie? And um, there was a time or two where I could say to, to Sarah or James, what would you think if I did such and such, you know? So it mainly, when you talk about communication, it can't just be watching how they do it, but a lot of times it's a give and take and um, and being able to say, now I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that, you know. So I think, and that has built a stronger relationship with my daughter and son-in-law and not just with grandchildren. Good, good point. Yes, sir. My five-year-old grandson, Raphael, he'll come over and he'll try to work me. <laughs> He'll say, I don't have to do that at home, Grandpa. I said, well, you know, when you're at home, you follow what your mom and dad says. When you're here, Grandpa's the boss. I said, by the way, I'll be checking with your dad to see if that's right. Oh, that's okay, Grandpa. I'll do it. They got to be careful. They, they know where the weak they, <laughs> they sense it. Good. Anyone else? Appreciate your comments and your participation. No. Very good. Michael, would you dismiss us in prayer, please? Our Father, how can we uh, how can we pray about all these things in one brief prayer? We cannot, but we bow before you, the Lord, our God, our Father, the Creator and Sustainer of all that is the covenant-making and the covenant-keeping God. We bow before you and plead for the salvation of our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Help us to be the parents and grandparents and great-grandparents that you would have us to be to exalt Christ, to lift him up, to praise his name. Strengthen us, we pray, and save our children, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.